Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll enjoy listening to this message as Pastor Alex leads us in God's Word. It is our hope that you'll personally experience God through these teachings. Now here's Pastor Alex. This morning, I, you know, I love New Year because I like new beginnings and uh, I, I love starting off, kicking off new sermon series. And uh, so I, I've been praying and saying, Lord, what's a good way to, to really build a, a good foundation for 2015? And uh, so we'll be spending the next few weeks talking about living lives that are built to last. And uh, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Anybody make a resolution? You know, it's kind of a promise you know you can't keep, but you make it anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm not big on resolutions for that very reason. I would rather make commitments to Jesus. A commitment is a lifestyle decision that I'm just going to... I'm just gonna make a commitment to stay in this particular groove, Lord, for the next 12 months. And if it's really an important commitment and actually worth investing in, I'll probably try to do it for the rest of my life. So sometimes, first of the year is a good time to re-up on some things that maybe have gone a little bit astray. Or uh, it's often a good time to uh, at least see things in a fresh light and say, Lord, show me that my life isn't just on this downhill slope until I just kind of fade into the sunset. No, but there's actually opportunities that could open up this year that have never appeared to me before. And, And I think God always wants us to walk with the sense that there is newness of life in Christ all the time, amen? So, so we need to look forward, and, and it is a good time to you know, maybe really just recommit to breaking bad habits and just go, okay, I'm just gonna commit to this, I'm done. Uh, it's a time to begin building some new ones. Uh, the past isn't gonna change, that's already over. You can't change the past. In fact, uh, even if you look at 2015, you can't really control the future. Kind of reminds me of a, I got this birthday card for a staff member once years ago. Uh, this gal's no longer with us, but um, I thought it was a great birthday card. You, know, you look at the cover and it says, forget about the past, you can't change it. Forget about the future, you can't control it. Forget about the present, you open it up, I didn't get you one. So I showed it to Pam and she goes, honey, that's just so mean. You, you, can't, you can't give that to anybody. It's just not right. I go, but it's hilarious. So anyway, I still have it in my drawer. It's, it's been there for 10 years. I'm still waiting for the right person. But the truth is you can't, you can't control your future, but we can influence our future. Don't you agree? I mean, that's why God put us on earth, so we can actually have an influence on the outcome of our sphere of influence. And so I do believe that we have to actually say to the Lord, what's my part? What is my part going forward? You've got a plan, but you've got plans for me too. I can't do your job and you have chosen not to do my job. We both got a job. So Father, help me to figure out what my part is. Jesus made it really clear that we do have a lot of influence. In fact, he said, you can, you can literally put my words into practice and it'll shape the course of your life. You can, you can build a life that lasts through all the storms that come your way, all the opposition, all the confusion, all of the surprises that come your way. You have a lot to do with the outcome of your life. If you build 
your life on my word. So this passage in Matthew 27, one of my all-time favorites. Wait a minute, before we turn, is that cool or what? That's not me. No, I, uh, I would have loved to roof that house, but I didn't get a chance to. I love the photo. He's, he's actually, uh, this guy's repurposing a whole lot of old logs from an uh, ancient log cabin. That's what he's using for the sides. And then he had used new lumber for part of the foundation and the roof. But he realized if this house is going to stand, A, I've got to build on a rocky mound, and then I've got to put rock foundation under it. That way this thing is going to last. So I love, I love the concept. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now this house is, is kind of in bad repair. The roof's worn, the siding's starting to curl and, and kind of disintegrate. But that's just for lack of attention. There, there's no one living there now. They just said, you know, this is more work than it's worth. But notice one thing. There's nothing wrong with the foundation. It could have survived a long, 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 long time because it was built on a rock. Jesus went on to say, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. This is uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, it's, uh, it's not exactly a castle, but it's a mansion that was built on a rock that at one time was much larger, but because of all the storms and the rains and the wind and the waves and the erosion, uh, the foundation is much narrower than it was originally, but it's still there. It's still there because it was built on the rock. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Here again, we're in uh, somewhere around Greece and uh, built high above the water, but you can believe all of the smoothness of that stone around was caused by wind and rain. But it's still harder than the surrounding materials, so the erosion has ended, the house still stands. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not Put them into practice. What do you think the uh, life expectancy is of this baby? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can see the water is already coming up, probably touching the backside of it. No matter how glorious the building built on sand, and in this case built of sand, not a chance. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. This one is, I think this one's kind of cool. It's a little blurry, but... Man, talk about exotic curls and how they did all that. I mean, this is a genuine uh, sandcastle built in a contest. I'm not sure how it placed, but it is absolutely gorgeous and amazing. But Jesus says, if you don't build on the rock, it doesn't matter how amazing and exotic and glamorous your life is on the outside, it is not going to last. And for that house, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Somewhere in California. Yeah. Sad, but true and very real and very current. Half the house is gone because it wasn't built on the rock. And it fell with a great crash. Now, this is actually kind of an exception. This is on the East Coast. And as you know, you know they have hurricanes there a lot and uh, storm surges. And so beaches erode and, and literally disappear. Whole highways have disappeared. One of the things about this house, this is known as a, a pedestal foundation. It's actually all concrete. So it's a normal-sized foundation around the base of the house. And then it kind of forms a post and goes straight into the sand. That's actually the way to build a foundation on the sand. In fact, uh, Pam and I uh, put a hot tub in our backyard 
many, many moons ago, 15, 20 years ago, and, and the hot tub is on a side, on a slope. It's just literally on the side of a hill between our upper and lower yards, so I stuck it right in the middle. And my brother Dave said, Alex, if you, if you just pour a normal flat foundation, that thing will be like a plate, and it'll just slide right off the hill. But what you need to do is literally build a pillar foundation, put a post in the middle, dig a hole like a post, pour your concrete, then let there be like a mushroom top. So they did it right. That's the way you build on sand. But still, it's on sand. It's not going to last. It's not going to make it. I think what we should do to start kind of examining where our future lies and, and how, how to influence is we need to identify the problem. It's generally just bad habits. Building on sand, building lives on sand, that's the metaphor. The reality is we just kind of built our lives on bad habits. You know what, what damages us most is not single events, although there are some tragedies and traumas that, that occur that, that do have long-lasting influence, but most of the damage that occurs in our lives are just a pile of little stupid things. Bad habits. And when we talk about bad habits, a lot of people think immediately of all you know, the top five. Cussing, drinking, smoking, and overeating, or too much TV, or something like that. You know, that, that's kind of our typical, the, the vices come to mind. But I don't believe those things, although they should all be done away with. Okay, they're no good. Don't hear me supporting and say, oh, that's, that's all fine. But the problem is we often focus on those kind of surface things that are publicly frowned upon, and we don't really notice the underlying automatic things that we do over and over and over and over again that really produce a lot of damage. In fact, we're often not even aware of them because we're so focused on the surface stuff. And so I think Jesus wants us to um, take a look at building some healthy habits this coming year so that we can actually build a life that's going to weather the storms to come. I, I have a, a friend who struggles with alcohol addiction, and if you were to ask her, so what's your biggest problem in life? She said, that's it right there. I've known her for a long time, and actually... That's not her most damaging quality. It's her anxiety and control issues. We, we visit every now and then and uh, spend, spend time with her, and she gets so uptight about having guests in her home, it literally just changes the relationship. And, and I remember one year, you know, we were going to stay down there for like three nights, and after the first night, she goes, okay, I'm done, go home. All right, bye-bye, go, go, I can't take you anymore. And she merely admitted, it's her anxiety, it's her fears of losing control, and, and she doesn't recognize that that is ruining our relationship way more than drinking. But it's one of those underlying kind of automatic things that she just sort of has accepted as this is just who I am, I'm just sort of a nervous type person. You see, those are the things that have long-term damaging effects in relationships, also in our walk with God and how much faith we have, how much risk we're willing to take, whether or not we're willing to obey in new areas. It's those underlying things that we're just kind of doing automatically. And we think, well, for instance, for those of us who struggle with control issues, we think we're just being good stewards. We're just managing things well. You know, just kind of keeping a handle on stuff, right? But a lot of times it's way over control, and we don't recognize it actually damages relationships, and many, many other areas of our lives. So I want to take a look at, at some of those kind of things this morning. This is just introductory. We're not going to go heavily into a whole bunch of stuff that you've got to feel nervous about. 
We're talking about everyday things that all of us struggle with. My, my desire is simply that we would identify the problem and go, oh, I, I actually see that in me, and it doesn't have to be that way. I'm, that habit isn't built on Jesus' words. That habit is built on some kind of childhood training or some kind of fear or trauma that I, it's, I'm just like automatic, you know? And uh, I could name 28 that I've found in myself, but let's just take a look at some of the general things that, that I think Jesus wants us to take a look at and, uh, and then just make the decision to say, ah, I've been, I've been responding this way for a long, long time, but it's completely fruitless, and in fact, it's having a negative effect on me and those around me. So let me do, find out what Jesus says and start changing my reaction. Boom, so this becomes so, so ingrained, it becomes automatic to me. Okay, so let me pick a fun one. Let's say you have a problem with every time you click on the television and you go past QVC, the shopping channel, you just go, your heart starts racing, your eyes bug out, and you start feeling heat in your wallet. And you're thinking, man, I... I'm just so excited. You get kind of nervous and everything because you just really love the experience of buying something. Or maybe it's an email you get from Amazon. Sale this week only, free delivery, free shipping, whatever. But let's say it's a shopping thing and, and every time that thing comes, you can't help but get excited about it. And you might think, well, that's a shopping addiction. A lot of people have that. Yeah, we know that. And, but the problem is, it's not just a love of you know, the, the hunt. It's also the fact that, man, a lot of the hours of your life are being wasted that could be invested in really fruitful endeavors. You don't realize you're not just spending 30 minutes, you're spending three hours. See, that's, that's the below ingrained habit that really needs to be addressed. The issue is not that I love shopping. Who doesn't love shopping and acquiring? I mean, it's mostly fun for everybody. But the problem is, Jesus' words have a lot to say about how to spend my time in ways that bear long-term and short-term fruit. That's the issue. I've got to address the ingrained habit of time management. Or I have to address the ingrained habit of not really consulting God before making decisions. I'm just kind of a decision maker. I just sort of do it because it's like, feels good, it's automatic, it's on sale. The underlying habit is the fact that I make all my decisions by myself. I don't stop to say, hey Lord, what do you think? So let's say that's your issue, you identify it, you go, I don't like living that way. It not only robs me of time, it actually is affecting relationships because our family budget now is being depleted by my little fun time, or you know, relationships are, are kind of being broken because I was gonna commit to have lunch with you but I can't break away right now because I've almost got it. Especially if it's um, eBay. You know, if you're bidding, whoo. It's pretty exciting. I totally understand that. But let's say that's your issue. You really recognize it's not just the shopping thing. It really has to do with, I've got to ask God, like, surrender. Say, Lord, I just want to run this by you and, and get your feedback. I want that to be my new habit, that every time I make a major decision, I run it by you first. So you look in the Word and you go, okay, what does Jesus' words have to say about this? I want to build my life on rock-solid foundation. And so... A simple one might be Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I love that house. It's a humble abode, but the location is everything, right? Real estate, location, location, location. But it's built on the rock. It's probably 100 years old, maybe two. I have no idea. Nice roof, roof, thank you. Yeah, didn't roof that one either. But here, see, here's the deal. I've really been praying, Lord, help us get below the, the Sunday morning service surface service. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to kind of help us go to the next level where, where we actually, we don't hear the sermon and kind of look at the verse and nod our heads and go, gosh, that's perfect for today, and then forget about it in 30 minutes. I, I want us to understand that Jesus said if this passage, these actual words, the content of this text gets stuck inside of us, it will change the foundation of our life. And storms will come and we will go, what? Blow. I don't care. I'm strong in Christ. It's an actual activity that changes and influences your future. And mine, we, so we need to go, oh, I've been kind of, I'm not sure what my previous ingrained habit was built on, but it was probably something like, I want it, I need it, I'm going to get it. That would be my proverb. And I just have to like say, okay, I'm identifying. I have this like automatic thought process. Synapses go every same direction every time. I've got to learn to stop that and replace it with something Jesus has said. Amen? So you're not confused about the Old Testament also being Jesus speaking, right? Even though he was not yet alive. It's all the word of God. He is God, and so he is the author of the entire word of God. So I could use God or Holy Spirit or Jesus interchangeably, but they're all the same. So let's, let's take a look at something else. Well, let me see what it is. Let's say you've identified something, and this is probably universal, so you're not being picked on. Um, you've identified the fact that when there's criticism that comes your way, mild, severe, well-delivered, poorly delivered, anything that kind of points out a weakness, eh, you probably would agree they're right, but because it's criticism, let's say your ingrained habit is to immediately, bam, something happens. Your mouth begins to move, your lips begin to flap, and stuff comes out. Usually, Counter, countering the criticism, or it's defensive, or it's counterattack, right? Anybody have that tendency besides me? If you're married, you've had experience in this. We all do it. You see, the problem there is the ingrained habit is that I'm making the assumption that when that occurs, criticism comes, I am in danger. That's the underlying assumption. There's something that's about to occur that will take me down or take me out. It won't be a pleasant experience. I'm going to die. Or I'm going to look small. Or I'm going to be humiliated. Or I'm going to feel something like rejection. The underlying assumption is a reaction to something about to occur. But if you don't identify that that's what's going on, you will never figure out how to stop it or change it. But that's building a house on sand, letting those underlying ingrained habits take over our behavior. So once you identify that, and you go, okay, wait a minute. Why, why am I so nervous about criticism? I'm not, I'm not a loser. I might have some weaknesses, but that doesn't make me a horrible person. Why do I feel completely accused and rejected and, oh, 
Why do I get so mean or angry with the comeback? What's, what's that all about? Well, it's because I really haven't built my life on the words of Christ. So let's say you identify that and you go, huh, 2015 could be the year where I really learn to just shut my mouth and say, gosh, thank you. I'm going to ask the Lord about that because he gets the last word, but I think you're letting me know for my benefit. How do, I, how do I make that the automatic reaction? Well, I have to develop a new habit. It's like doing push-ups. Got to do it a thousand times before it becomes automatic. And even then, I'll still have a tendency to go back to the old way. So you find something in God's word and you say, Jesus, what should I build my life on? Oh, look at that baby. I love that. Yes, he has an elevator in the middle. They had to core through solid rock to make that happen. Insane. Somewhere in eastern Oregon or Idaho or Utah, something like that. So here's a great verse. I memorized this one years ago because this is one of my weaknesses. Is I, I, I don't like being criticized. I hate being humiliated. And I have all these kind of childhood memories of being humiliated and embarrassed in front of my friends. And so there was a reaction all the time. And I couldn't take criticism. So I said, Lord, I, that's not helping me. So I said, give me a verse that really works, that kind of just hits that thing head on. So I came to Proverbs 12.1. Let's read this one out loud. Ready? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Woo! <laughs> I don't want that to be me. I love when the word is so direct and blunt because it makes the point, right? It just really, I'm going to remember this. I don't want to be stupid. But I love the challenge. Whoever loves discipline, and that's kind of a generic word that means any kind of correction or you know, alternate view of myself or criticism of some kind or suggested ways to improve. If I love discipline and love knowledge, I'm going to be blessed, man. I love input. I love being fed. In fact, you know as well as I do that only about 50% of what I think I'm portraying to you, I'm aware of. The other 50% of what I'm actually portraying, I will not ever know unless you tell me. That's just part of life. That's why James says you've got to have a mirror called the Word of God. And sometimes that mirror consists of a human being just kind of letting you know, hey, I know you feel really passionate about that, but boy, the way it came out it really sounded mean, scared me. Boy, I did not, because my intention was just to really be passionate and kind. Well, good try, it didn't work. <laughs> so we have to have other people. So sometimes that knowledge of, of what I'm actually like is going to help me recognize, why well, I'm building on sand here. Not going to help me this coming year. I really, I want to be done with it, but I have to have content to replace this bad content with. I've got to have the Word of God. Things that Jesus has said. Isn't that great stuff? I think, I mean, if you actually do this, people will go, I can't believe you're the same person. Last year, you, were, you just were never like this. You're so easy to be around. You're just so fun. You're just so inspiring. I want to be like that too. You'll be amazed at the change that, that God can do. All right, one final one. Just want to give you a taste, an idea of what it means to build your house on the rock. Jesus says, Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's the key. You hear and then you put them into practice. Third one. Let's say um, you have a hard time getting over offenses. Not over fences, but over offenses. 
you know, somebody just goes over the line. They're, they're just, they're mean. They accuse you. They betray you. They're just wrong. They're just attacking. They're just not kind. It was an ungodly thing at all. They sinned, not you. It wasn't your fault. They just came at you, and there's no excuse for it. It was just bad and wrong. Let's say when that occurs, your automatic ingrained habit is to immediately hold a grudge. I'm not sitting by you next time. We'll see if I go back to that church. Or it goes even further. You don't just kind of withhold love. You, uh, you actually become bitter. And um, even vengeful. You know there's passive and there's active vengeance? Passive vengeance is when you kind of put on the, the icicle face. You just, fine. No, 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 I'm fine. No, 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 no. Act like they're not there. That's called passive vengeance. Active vengeance, of course, is when you, you just punch them and you, you hurt them in some physical, practical way. Okay, so let's say you notice that, boy, you kind of do that when people hurt you. You just, you just get mad and stay mad for a long time. And it kind of, and when you're irritated, then other people come around who have nothing to do with this, and suddenly you start chewing on them, and you're all prickly and everything. And, you, and they're kind of going, what did I do? And, and you're kind of going, I don't know, but I just, I'm mad. You see, that might be the outward thing that you notice, but the, there's an underlying habit that actually is causing all that to occur. The habit is you're not trusting God to repay. You're taking vengeance into your own hands. You're, you're believing that if justice doesn't occur between me and this person and I don't execute that justice, there will be no justice because it's basically up to me. What you're saying is there is no God and he's not interested. That's the fallacy. That's the, it's a ha habit of thought before it ever becomes a habit of action. I gotta make this right. And there's, there's no way you're gonna get one over on me. It's, it's up to me to fix that. Jesus says if you, if you hear my words and you live like that, you're building on sand and you're gonna get hurt, hurt, and bitter, and bitter, and unforgiving, and resentful all your life long. And you've seen those people who have that tendency. It shows on their face. They're just all the time, and everything's just always horrible about everything. So Jesus says, find something that replaces the content of that habit. Develop a healthy habit. It'll change your life. It's absolutely unbelievable what happens when people just out and out harm you in ways that were just totally unright and mean and wrong in every possible way, and you're able to somehow give that to God and be free. And you see that person in the store, you don't have to run and hide. Hey, how you doing, man? And they're kind of shocked because they know they probably did something wrong. Hey, God bless you, man. Hope you have a, a great year. It'll change your life. It's so freeing to be free from holding grudges and taking vengeance into our own hands. So you have to find something that trains ourselves to develop the new healthy habit. And there are tons here on this one. I could have used many, but I figured let's go with this one. Look at that baby. That's a nice house. That's, a, that's an actual island. I think it's somewhere like in Massachusetts or Maine. They bought the island and now own the island. I'd love to own an island, you know? Like the island of Australia or something. <laughs> this is a great verse because this is one clearly defines whose role is whose when it comes to vengeance. 
There's a role we play, and there's a role God plays. So let's read this one out loud together. Romans 12, 17 through 19. Ready? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. I began by saying, if, if today is just another church service that scrapes the surface, it will have profited us nothing. You don't become a forgiving person until you do the hard work of grasping this, knowing it so well you can say it backwards, forward, and you could even put funny words in there. And it still makes sense because it's becoming part of you. And imagine what would happen if your ingrained habit was immediate forgiveness. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that you're justifying or excusing their behavior. It doesn't mean you may have to have a follow-up conversation to get this relationship right. In fact, often it does. But as far as you're concerned, they're off the hook. I'd much rather have you face God than face me because he's perfect at executing justice. I'm gonna mess it up, guaranteed. Imagine if your ingrained habit was to forgive. And you can say, ouch, and oh, and I don't wanna be close to that person for a while because they are kinda scary sometimes and I don't trust their tongue. They haven't managed their tongue very well. But at least you're not playing God. How about this? How about your old habit was to replay the offense over and over and over and over and over again? When you have a free moment, it's just your mind just kind of goes back to the scene. You know, the video goes on and you, the conversation occurs again and, and boy, if I would have only and she and he just, oh, I should have and would have and oh my gosh. Anybody ever do that? You just play stuff over and over and over and over again? Again, that's, that's something that can be addressed and fixed if we build our lives on Jesus' words. And his words are, leave that for, for God. Your job is to forgive. Your job is to forget. Can I talk about forgetting for a minute? A lot of times we say, oh, you know, forgive and forget. We have computers for brains. You can't forget anything ever. Some, I mean, for seasons, you might go into a black hole, but you know, they, they eventually come back out. When I say forgive and forget, that's a decision I make to say, when that tape starts running, I hit off every single time. When that video starts playing, I hit eject every single time, and I put in a different video. I'm gonna focus on things that are lovely, true, excellent, right, noble, and worthy of praise. That's my job. I decide not to like uh, delete it from my computer. I can't. Our memories are so good, they just work that way, but I can choose what I focus on. I'm gonna ingrain a new habit called forgiving and forgetting. That's doable, can you imagine? Living that way for an entire year, it is so freeing and so joyful. And the amount of influence you have, not just on your life, but on the lives around you, just increases exponentially. And all we have to do is a little bit of work. So let's talk about the work that it takes. In order for any of this to be helpful, you and I have to believe God's word. We have, to, we have to treat this book differently. We can't treat it like any other book. We have to recognize that there is something dynamic in the relationship between me and these words. There's, some, there's energy that passes from me to the book and book back. Why? Because it's the God who wrote it. 
that is transmitting that energy, that life, that breath. We pray about it all the time. A lot of times all we do is pray and worship, but we never read. This is where the guts of God's power are. This is the core of his grace. This is where it all starts with. And that's what gives the Holy Spirit energy and specific information to bring at a time needed for revelation. But it starts with the book. You've got to believe this is God's word. In other words, when Jesus says, if you build your life on the words I've spoken by putting them into practice, you have to envision the fact that every time I, I speak this word, I memorize it, I say it out loud because I'm in a battle because I've just been hurt, the moment I start executing God's word in my heart, my mind, and my behavior, guess what? God is like standing by. I mean, literally, he's just like, he just, he's like on the tip, just about to, he just can't, ah, waiting to work on our behalf. That's why this word has power. You have to see that. That's what Jesus says, believe in me. That God is like on the verge that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near you, even upon your lips. It's like this, this parallel universe where God is just ready to bust in if we just go, go, now. I believe your word. The Bible is different. Faith in God's word is something you have to decide on. Are you gonna be a Christian that believes it or just a Christian who pretends it? You can't be both. You have to believe that God is anxious, anxious, eager to jump in and help. One of the, probably the clearest example I had of that was Years ago when I first got saved, it was after about the first year of being a Christian, I felt pretty sure I was supposed to be in ministry of some kind, either a musician or a missionary or a teacher. I didn't know about pastor or anything, but I just evangelist, traveling or something, I didn't know what. And so I said, okay, Lord, how do I get from where I am to that reality? I could try to make stuff happen, go talk to all the right people and go kind of promote myself and sort of insert myself into certain things and sign up for this and do all that. And I kind of knew instinctively that wasn't the way to do it because I knew that if I promoted myself, then if I succeed, it's all on me to keep it going. And I couldn't bear that pressure way too much. I said, Lord, if anything, I'm going to kind of resist. If I start seeing some opportunity, I'm going to resist just enough to know I didn't make this happen. So if somebody offers something, I'm going to pray and I'm going to delay a little bit just because I don't want to be the author of my own destiny. I want you to be the author. And so I remember saying, okay, Lord, how do I get from where I'm at to where I need to be? I was roofing full-time in California and the Lord gave me a principle. He said, A, the first will be last and the last will be first. So do everything but promote yourself. In fact, promote others all around you all the time. I know it seems like you're going to be going backwards, but actually you'll be going forward. In fact, that's one of the shortest paths to your destiny is let others be first and you be last. Second one, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, become the servant of all. And even though you're kind of going low every time, you're finding the lowest place in the room that you can serve and not, you're not trying to you know, be a worm or show off with this or all kind of, but just, just literally just, you don't have an agenda other than to make others successful. You serve them. And the other one was a story he, he showed me in First Samuel. David, the future king, sitting on a hillside, watching sheep by night, completely forgotten by his father and his brothers, treated like he was a non-human. But while he was out there, 
writing songs and poems like crazy, becoming one of the most prolific Bible writers of all time. What was he doing? He was investing in his relationship with Jesus. So I'm out on the roof, and I'm thinking about David. You know, he's got lions, he's got bears, he's got to kill, and he's got sheep, stupid sheep. I'm not going anywhere. And he's probably thinking to himself, I think think I'm supposed to be somebody someday. He wasn't quite sure what it was, but he had that sense. I think we, we all do. For years and years and years and years and years, he did nothing but watch sheep and sing to the Lord. Why? He said, because promotion comes from you. Period. There's, there's no halfway help needed. It's all on you. And when the time for his calling came, he was ready. Guess what? His father forgot him. Brothers forgot him. Samuel did not even know him. But God never forgot. Why? Because he was saying, Lord, it's on you. If you want me to do or be anything ever, it's on you. You make it happen. And I'll just follow. This principle of believing God's word is everything. You and I have to go, gosh, my life's not going so great. Where, where are some habits that perhaps I'm contributing to the problem? What do I do to get from this sort of mediocre feeling life to something a little bit more significant in God's eyes? It's really a very simple A plus B will equal C kind of evalu- equation. So we've got to treat God's word like it is alive and like he is eager to respond once we embrace it. And I waited for eight years from that first revelation that this is how you get from point A to point B of roofing. 104 degree heat in Fresno, California. That's where I learned. And then, oh, great relief, I moved to Seattle. It's now 42 degrees, howling wind and rain. And I've got rain gear on, but it does no good when you're on a roof. I mean, after about 15 minutes, you're soaked all the way through. You can roof in the rain, but you can't re-roof, but you can roof new construction in the rain. So I stay busy every chance I could. Eight years. I thought I was ready way before that. God said, don't worry, I got you. You may still be waiting for a long, long time for the thing that God has for you. That does not change the truth of his promise. It's on its way. The timing will be perfect. But you've got to take his word, embrace it, believe it, and then let your habits be shaped by what he said. And let that be your reaction to every circumstance, every challenge that comes our way this year. So can I just offer you one final recommendation? If you want to, we're going to spend a few weeks kind of looking at the various challenges of life and a few scriptures that really do a great job of heading those things off at the pass. Really do a good job at just countering. So you've got a really solid, healthy habit to replace the old one with. So we'll kind of go into some of the areas of life and do that, but can I recommend one Bible verse to be your beginning Bible verse to memorize? Let it be a verse about memorizing the Bible. Okay? Because if you're, if you're like working on a particular behavior issue, a particular relationship, or you know, let's say I, I work on selfishness, I'm just way too selfish, I need verses against that. Um, if you don't memorize verses, the whole thing goes down the tubes. So if you make your first commitment to memorize a verse that talks about memorizing, meditating, and hiding God's word in your heart, that will remind you to keep going on all the other topics. That's why I picked this Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. In fact, let me go back. Let's see if, if I can do this. I didn't put it down a second time. I always like to challenge myself just to keep me sharp. So I'm going to see how I do. 
Is it even there? Oh, look, we got music. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Here we go. Okay, therefore, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The winds blew, the storms came, the rain fell. But great was that house, and it did not fall. If any man who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the sand. And the winds blew, the rain came, and that house fell, and great was its crash. I want to be a man who builds my life on God's word. I didn't do it perfectly. It's paraphrased. So can I just close with this? There are a lot of ways that you can spend time in the Bible this coming year. You can have read through the Bible in a year. You can have little daily devotions on your phone that just come automatically. You can try to read. I call it immersion reading when you just kind of read large passages to kind of get big picture stuff all the way because there's great value in that. There's value in all of it, even if it's a little daily bread that we give away out here in the foyer. But can I just suggest at least somewhere in the mix, memorize one verse and hide it in your heart and get it so well and then begin to meditate on it. Visualize yourself actually doing it in certain scenarios. Just imagine, hypothetical. Just put yourself in the scripture and see yourself acting it out next time you have a conflict or an argument or someone offends you or criticism comes or something like that. Just envision yourself living that, putting it into practice. That's where change comes. That's how you develop the new healthy habit. At least put, in fact, I would, I'm a little extreme on this, I would rather you memorize five verses in the coming year than to read the entire Bible. It will have more impact on you. That's, that's my commitment. I could be wrong, it may not work that way for you, but that's how it works for me. So, anybody in on this? Raise your hand if you're in. Good. Yeah, I, you don't have to commit to me, but I, I just want you to capture the concept and believe in the power of this book, God's Living Word. Can we stand together? Thank you, Father God. Lord, we worship you. You're so amazing, Father. I'm so glad that we serve a God who's not distant, far off, and unconcerned. We serve a God who is fully engaged from the moment of creation to this very day. You're fully engaged and desire so much to intersect our lives. All you're waiting for is permission. So Father, would you give each one of us, help us to dial in specifically where we are at and where we struggle the most and how to best hear your words and put them into practice. Show us where to start, Father God, and, and remind us and energize us, Father God. And, and I pray too for quick results, Lord, that some of us who are discouraged just need a real quick proof that, that you would just respond immediately where we would go, oh my gosh. Lord, I pray that you would be gracious because you are gracious, kind because you are kind, Father. And help us to do our part so that by the end of 2015, we can look back and say, I am not the same person I used to be. I'm more like Jesus than I ever dreamed I could be. And I give you all the glory, Father. We look forward to that, Father. Now we look forward to a week of opportunity to go to work. In Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. It's going to be a great year. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin.
Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.